0: Across America, 2022 data indicates that there are approximately 18.3 million children who live without a father in the home. Now, this comprises about one in four U.S. children. About 80% of single-parent homes are led by a single mother. Fatherhood in America seems to be on a decline. Dads are having a difficult time showing up. Dads are not leading, and we have a vacuum of leadership in our society when it comes to fathers. Now, I've been a father for just over 24 years, and I can look back over those 24 years and say that hindsight has given me a lot of insight. One of the things that I found is that a lot of the times early on, especially as a father, while well-meaning and trying hard I made a lot of mistakes, and I'm sure my kids will tell you that I still make a lot of mistakes, but I found that those mistakes early on were out of fear. I think back to a time when my son somehow got access to the credit card that was linked to one of our accounts and within about a 20-minute time period racked up about a $400 bill to video games. Well, he got in trouble. And as you can imagine, being a pretty smart kid that he is, he figured out how to do it again and next time racked up about a $500 bill. So about $900 later, my stupidity had led me to the point of where instead of handling this in my best way, anger came out. And I look back and oftentimes when the anger came out, it was because of my fear. It wasn't necessarily what the kid had done, whether it was my son or one of my daughters, it was my fear of losing money. It was my fear of not feeling respected. It was my fear that whatever was happening in the moment was going to continue. I think fear is what drives a lot of people, a lot of men from leaning in and becoming a leader in their house. Fear is the thing that pushes them away from doing the thing that they need to do. Now, I'm a big believer that with education, wisdom, and experience, fear goes away because, or at least it diminishes because we now have skills, we have principles that we can work from. And that's what we're gonna talk about on this episode of The Evolved Man. Welcome to The Evolved Man, where we are at war with the mediocrity of modern man. The Evolved Man is for men like you who are willing to be open, vulnerable, and aggressive learners. Men who are not afraid to disrupt and change. It's time we ditch the current conventional idea that we devolve with age. That the dad bod is our destiny and that the glory days are behind us. Your best isn't behind you and I'm here to provide you with practical tools, a few tips and tricks and everyday wisdom to help you evolve into your highest form. Strong, lean, smart, educated and emotionally intelligent. Now. Let's go to war. And welcome back to the Evolved Man, where we are at war with the mediocrity of modern man. Before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, Med One Capital, for sponsoring the Evolved Man. We appreciate all the support. The Med One Group exists for the sole purpose of making needed medical equipment available to the healthcare industry. You can find out more information at themedonegroup.com. For our local listeners in Utah, we also have a special treat for you through the month of September. We have partnered with our friends at Nautical Bowls in Sandy, Utah, and they are doing a promo for our Evolved Man listeners. If you go into the Sandy location, On about 21st and 94th South in the Smiths parking lot, you can use the code EVOLVEBOGO for a buy one, get one acai bowl. I want to thank Linnea and Noah for giving this to our amazing listeners. What a great gift this is. Today's guest is returning for round two. You can listen to our first episode with Scott Jones in episode 134, where we delved into the idea of what does it mean to become an evolved parent? Today, we're going to dive deeper and really focus on fathers. Fathers are not stepping up from my perspective. And Scott brings an extremely unique perspective after having spent more than a quarter of a century in the counseling space and working with kids that are in troubled situations. Scott Jones, thanks for coming back and joining us for this episode of The Evolved Man. Yeah, thanks for having me back.
1: I'm excited. I'm glad I didn't screw it up so much last time that you, you let me come back. So
0: this is good. <laughs> That's a great perspective. Yeah. If anybody screwed it up, it's me. I, I really enjoyed our conversation last time and I'm excited to dig in more today. And like we talked about, we're going to speak primarily to the fathers out there. I, I think there's a massive vacuum of leadership. I think that the world is struggling because fathers are just not engaged, active and involved in shaping young minds. And as you and I discussed yesterday, Uh, We really want to focus this conversation, not just on theory, but on some practical principles and tools that men can use when they are parenting. Now, I know that there's a wide variety of fathers out there. There are those that are involved. There are those that have just never been involved. I think about one extreme where I've got a friend of mine who, uh, she got married, they had two kids, and... The guy just looked at her one day and said, I don't want to be a father, and I'm leaving. And he left and has not paid any child support, has not paid uh, any alimony, has done nothing but just live a completely different life and has not been involved in the kids' lives whatsoever. She's done an amazing job. She has cerebral palsy, is uh, tied to a wheelchair, and has raised those two kids at her absolute best. But what a vacuum. I don't think from my perspective, that that is an uncommon thing. Now, you deal with troubled kids on a regular basis. Talk about some of the vacuum that you're seeing.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's a, you know, what I'm seeing a lot, um, and, you know, I've worked, I've I've been in this space for a long time, but it's just fractured families, right? I, I, I see that just all of the time and and not necessarily to the extreme maybe that you're talking about with your story that's but i do see that for sure absolutely i see that but i but i see so many families who you know parents are divorced and um you know our society says mostly mom gets the kids so you got the dad's kind of on the fringes trying to figure out what's my space how do i do it and um you know, some do it really well and navigate that space, and a lot of times it's just really challenging. So we work with that quite a bit. Yeah, there's definitely a, le- a lack of leadership. I I was thinking the other day I, I, I was processing something I had heard you say, but it got me thinking about you know the most the 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 people in a position to make the most impact in our in our communities, in our country, in our world are parents. Yeah. They can make yeah. the most impact and they can change whole generations, you know, and, and fathers, uh, you know, we know, we just know from all the research that both parents are important. Fathers have a unique responsibility and and their opportunity is, is huge, huge.
0: Well, I, I hate to do this at the beginning, but I have to, it's just part of my impulsive nature i want to talk a little bit about our conversation the other day i want to go i want to go into the rabbit hole uh for a second mm-hmm. if that's okay sure i referenced this on a recent social media post that i had gone to school so my son is a senior in high school and it was the 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 regular meeting that you have with the school counselors to talk through all right are we okay are we are we on path to graduate And what needs to be done? What are the deadlines for applying to the different colleges? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And so here I am sitting with my son in the counselor's office. And as I walk through the school and I look around and I listen to the verbiage, what became very aware in my mind was that we are accommodating kids rather than leading kids, rather than guiding kids, rather than shaping young minds. And providing leadership, we're literally looking at them and saying, "How do you want to do this?" And kids are too yeah. uneducated, too unexperienced In order to shape their life, they need leadership. They need fathers to step up. In fact, there was one part of our conversation, and and my son's a very smart kid, and he's a, he's a great kid. But there was one point where we're talking about the choice between taking one class and another one. And he says, well, I think maybe I want to take the, uh, you know, not the honors class. And he's got, uh, you know, concurrent enrollment, advanced placement honors for a lot of his classes. And I said, well, hey, hold on a second. Let's pump the brakes. And I looked at the counselor. I said, tell us the difference. So she explained the difference. I said, "Okay, Johnny, based on what she's saying, I would recommend the honors class because you want to go into business. And the math that she's talking about, you're going to need when you get into micro and macroeconomics. It's just going to be essential. Mm -hmm. So why not do it now? Get repetition so that when you go in and you're doing all these formulas, when you get into micro and macro, um, you've got it. Well, and the counselor was great, backed me up with it. She says, your dad's actually right. He goes, "Mm, okay, I'll do it. But as I walk around and I see indicators, we are leaning into just telling kids, hey, live your life. Just do it, do it your way, rather than guiding them through this process. And mm-hmm. I was shocked at how much <laughs> we're doing this. And then I was yeah. even more shocked by your response.
1: When what you did said, I say?
0: Can't remember. <laughs> you said to me, Well, when you walked through the halls, did you see a litter
1: box? Oh, did you see a litter box anywhere? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Then, you know, this idea of I, I'm all for giving uh, g- giving kids and kids is a wide, that's a, that's a big category, right? But, okay, right. let's talk sure. about your son. Yep. He's at a point where, yeah, he needs to figure some things out in his life. Yep. But he doesn't know <laughs> what he doesn't know. It's not Mm -hmm. that he's a bad kid, but he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And how many of us, when we're 17, if your counselor says you can be with your friends or you can take this hard honors class, which one do you want to do? Well, duh.
0: just going to go with the friends. I'm going to
1: take the honors class, right? Right. I mean, I'm not going to take the honors class. So they they just need leadership, you know? And and you can do that in a way that still provides them autonomy and, you know, choice. And it gets them to take accountability for their lives. That that's what we want to talk about today you know i i um i something that was in place when when you're talking about this so i've met your son just briefly right i've mm-hmm. seen him at the gym and i've met him right. briefly and you know i'm i i'm always kind of looking at little things like body language and and stuff you you have a great relationship with your son
0: yeah that yeah. that's
1: pretty obvious right um I, and and you drive him crazy at the same time, right? Yeah, oh, there's totally. my dad, the fitness guy. Oh, here he is again. You know, yep. but but here he is at the gym. This is what, just my assumption. He's at the gym too. He's leaving with his friends. Mm-hmm. He's not embarrassed to be around his friends and to be around you to say, "Hey, dad, I'm checking yeah. out," even though you're with a client. He's not embarrassed about any of that. You have a great relationship. You have worked hard on that, which puts you in a position to provide leadership. So when you're in a situation like that, you can step in and say, "Well, wait." ask some questions you didn't tell him what to do right you didn't say you're an idiot if you don't take the honors class yep you yep. presented the information right and 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 then provided some leadership and and some expectation but in the end he still gets to make the choice and that's a great example of what we want to try and you know highlight today some of the principles
0: and we do foster that relationship over time eh? and I know that's one of the things we're going to talk about but the 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 relationship is something where it, it's Probably the most important thing in the world to me is my relationship with my family and sure. continually fostering communication. I mean, there are times where we'll talk and I'll say, okay, how do you feel about this? Oh, fine. I'm like, okay, but give me the honest truth. Like, how do you really feel? And yeah. that opens up some conversation that, well, I guess I'm a little bit frustrated about this, or I guess I don't understand that. And I say, okay, now give me pushback. What's the pushback? What, what do you disagree with? And sometimes they'll say, well, I don't agree with this. And so we talk through that. And then other times it's, um, no, I get where you're coming from. And so it's something that is really a, a an ongoing fostering of the relationship. It's an ongoing, um, you know, sense. Yeah. So fostering this relationship is really important. And, and one of the things I'm actually really happy of and proud of, it's not anything that I necessarily, uh, chose, but whenever Johnny leaves somewhere, and you mentioned like when he leaves the gym and he's going home with his friends, he always says the same thing. He's like, "Bye, I love you," and he mm-hmm. says that in all you know in front of his friends. He's not afraid to say that to me. He's not afraid yeah. to say that to his mom. We don't demand that. We don't tell him that. He's just done that on a on a regular basis. The funny thing is, is when his friends leave, they say the same thing to us as well. They're like, "Oh." <laughs> uh, Bye Steve. Bye yeah. Danielle. Love you. And yeah. so it's created this, it's fostered this, this fun. You've created a culture, form, right? You've yeah. created
1: a culture where that's, that's okay. And accepted. And this is what we do. It's
0: yeah. Awesome. The the respect, the love it's there. Um, you know, the tough conversations happen. Uh, sometimes there, there's some difficult conflicts that we have to lean into And then after the conflict is over, we always talk about the importance of resolving conflict and then coming back together. And so that's something that I think is really important. But again, back to what we were talking about, there are indicators in society that fathers are just not stepping up and we are not leading kids. So I want to dive into the seven principles uh, uh, that you've, you've put together, these seven core principles. So let's do a flyby of all seven and then dive into each one individually. Do you want to walk our listeners through what are the seven principles of proper fatherhood or proper parenting? Sure.
1: Sure. And, you know, and we talked a little bit about this too. I, my philosophy on this is I can't tell you exactly what to say in every situation, right? Sure. There's no right. manual, right? But if we have principles that work, so these are just principles that kind of package in a way that we can understand them, but they've just, you know, they're research, they just are true. They just mm-hmm. ring true. So, um, so number one, nurturing the relationship is the priority. We talked yeah. a lot about that in our last podcast, but yeah. We'll hit that just a minute in a, a little bit today, too. Uh, parental leadership is essential. That's what we've been talking about. That's number two. Mm-hmm. Number three, clear expectations encourage consistency and teach values.
0: Mm-hmm. Love it.
1: For choice and accountability, invite and growth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Parental unity creates family stability and strength. That's a big one. We talked a little bit about that already, but. We're yep. going to hit that and then this is your mantra right change takes time and sustained effort it's Absolutely. not going to happen overnight yep and then last uh, you know what i hit a little bit parents i really think parents are the most powerful agents of change
0: yeah no more powerful leaders in the world than parents all right let's, yep. so let's start number one nurturing the relationship is a priority um, okay. I, I, we're gonna. What I'd like to do, Scott, is for this conversation, we're gonna assume all of these principles are true, right? I okay. believe them. You believe them. We're just gonna assume they're true. And what I'd like to to do is, with that assumption of truth, talk about how do we apply these principles. What are some tools? What are some tactics, uh, and some techniques that our listeners could apply? So, nurturing yeah. the relationship is a priority. A nurturing a relationship gives us a lot of leverage. It's the emotional bank account, more deposits than withdrawals. Uh, when we need to make a withdrawal, we've got enough in there. How, how, does a, how does a great father nurture the relationship?
1: Well, I think the place where we get hung up, the, the two things I want to focus on is being firm and being kind. Okay. Because um, I think those are both really important. We have to have both of those. A, a healthy relationship has both of those. Um, so I want you to think about, you know, do you have a relationship? You ever been in a relationship where uh, you have more or less of one of those things? <laughs> Maybe somebody's really firm. Right. But you don't have a relationship. It's not kind. There's no, there's no, you know, telling you or showing you through what the way they treat you that you're valuable. We've been in those relationships. Yeah. And I was also seen it. And we've probably been in relationships where uh, there's no boundaries, right? Yeah. There's no boundaries. So I I think, you know, we we talked a lot last podcast about relationship and so we won't talk much about that. But when you think about being firm and kind, I think that's where we get hung up as parents because um, either we're too firm. So you say, uh, you know, you, you catch your kid sneaking out at night. Mm -hmm. okay and they're skipping school or they're using drugs whatever it is they're doing and so you set some expectations and and you get firm with some consequences and boundaries okay um that is the moment to also work on the relationship and that's where we get it mixed up sometimes right so instead of you know walking around i'm everything, my body language, my demeanor, the way I talk to you is going to show you just how pissed off I am. Mm -hmm. That's, that's going to teach, we we know from research that doesn't work, right? So uh, instead, while we set boundaries, and while we are firm and setting the limits, that's an opportunity for us to then, okay, build a relationship. So how do you do that? You know, um, I I know a father that, uh, you know, that grounded their kids for all these behaviors they took away the car took away the phone and the father made an extra effort then to sit down and do stuff his son liked so you know they were and that's not about softening the blow so much as it is about hey our relationship is still the most important you have to understand where the boundaries are but our relationship is important does that make sense
0: such a valuable thing. Yeah. It's one of the things that I've, I've leaned into so much over the years and I've found so much impact too. Um, and not saying that anything that I've done is perfect, right? This is just a a principle that I believe in 100%. Whenever we have had to punish one of our kids, I make sure that part of the punishment, so to speak, is we spend a lot of time together. And that mm-hmm. might be that we're working in the yard together. Mm-hmm. That might be that we are, uh, you know, if you can't go out and hang out with your friends, you're hanging out with us, and so we focus on fostering the relationship during that time. Um, talk to me a little bit about the firm and kind. One of the tactics that I've used in the past is that if the kids have done something where we've had to set a boundary and then teach where that boundary is and what what the you know what the behaviors are that we're looking for is I use the teach back method and I say, okay, so now why Mm. are you not going out with your friends this weekend? Well, because I did this. Okay. But, but why, what is this doing to you in the long run? And then they would teach back what the concept was. Okay. So what are we looking for moving forward? Great. Why are we looking for that behavior moving forward? Now, for me, that teach back method has seemed to work well is that something that you recommend to other people or am I completely off here?
1: (laughs) No, I think you're completely on the right track because, um, some, some people will be familiar with Arbinger's work. They've, they wrote a book called anatomy of peace and and relationship from self-deception. They talk, Arbinger talks a lot about what they call the relationship parent, uh, pyramid. I, I call it also the parenting pyramid, Mm. but at the very top of the pyramid is correction. And the next layer under that is teach. So that's yeah, what you're doing. Yeah. And it, and if your correction is not getting you anywhere, like we're setting boundaries, we're not we're not getting any movement in the right direction. The uh, the thing to do is not correct more. The thing to do is go deeper into the pyramid. So the next step down is teach, which is exactly what you're saying. This yeah. is an opportunity for us to teach some principles. And the, you know n- your kids aren't going to listen to you. Try to teach them unless you have a relationship. So that's you know the next layer down is you gotta always be building the relationship. So I think that's a great strategy. Um, I, you know, some of the things we would do are are real small, like just paying attention to the way we're looking at them and smiling at them and being with them. You know it's so easy to withhold nurturance because we're trying to teach a lesson. yeah, I'm trying yeah. to teach you that what you did is not okay. So, I'm going to withhold my love and affection. And that just does the opposite of what we're intending them to do. So, some of the things we do are really small, but some of them just take more chunks of time. Like you said, okay, you're grounded. Guess what? We're doing yard work together. You know, a lot of times when we joke that when we ground our kids, that's more punishment for us than them. But, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's an opportunity. And you just have to schedule time. And yeah. you think about busy fathers. I'm sorry, but I I think it has to be in the day planner. You know, it has to be somewhere on the schedule. You got to put it in there. It's got to be a priority. Um, And even if, you know, you're you're being firm and setting boundaries, doesn't mean you don't go to the baseball game because you're proving a point. Right. And and I got to tell you, I see that. I see that all the time. You know, they got to understand. They crossed the line. So I'm withholding my love and affection has the
0: opposite effect. well because it almost makes the the kids try to behave just to get love and and i don't think um I've never been a big fan of people trying to prove that they deserve love. I think that love is something that should be given all the time. And I think firmness is a part of love. So I'm glad you brought that up. I I want to ask a question, just staying on this topic of nurturing the relationship. So let's say that there's a father out there that is, that has partial custody or that is only seeing his kids uh, on the weekends or every other week. And he's saying, hey, I've got to nurture this relationship, but I'm, but I'm limited on my time with nurturing the relationship. What are a couple of things that you would recommend to a father that doesn't have full custody or a father that has, um, you know, just overall less time? Maybe they're traveling a lot and maybe they're not with their kids uh, all the time. And uh, so it's limited. What are some things that a father that might be in a part-time type situation of fatherhood can do to integrate nurturing the relationship
1: that's a great question i i think that the mistake so many fathers in that situation make is because they feel guilty they want to be there more yeah they end up being disneyland dad right and and so mm-hmm. in, in those small moments they're with their child that it's it's all fun it's we're you know giving them everything they want And I I think that that has the opposite effect too, right? So I I think that as much as we can, you prioritize time, but that's just doing simple things and little things that you would do in a normal, everyday parenting relationship, Um, which sometimes just is as simple as you got to put the phone down and just connect. You just have to, (laughs) right? And so you're going out for coffee or you're, you know, you're having breakfast or you're meeting them you're finding little moments of time after school where you can go on a hike whatever it is your kid likes to do what do they want to do mm-hmm. you know so much of the time we're doing what we want to do
0: i had um, a friend years ago say that uh, he uses a method called how do you like your eggs and he basically just you know everybody likes their eggs cooked a little bit different right and so if you understand how each kid likes their eggs so to speak yeah what, what's their emotional bank account deposit? You know, for my oldest, it's it's that we work on things together, and I uh, open up space so that she can solve problems because she's a great problem solver. Uh, for my second daughter, it's time together at the coffee shop. For my son, it's a mixture of things. You know, we've got to spend some time together uh, at the gym. We've got to spend some time sitting around and laughing. We got to we got to do some active stuff together, and those are the deposits, right? And those things change over time. But if, if you, you understand how your kids like their eggs. I think you can put a lot more of those deposits in.
1: Yeah, that's a great metaphor. I love that.
0: All right, Scott, so let's go to to principle number two. Parental leadership is essential for healthy families. How can fathers become better leaders in their family?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's important that we don't misunderstand nurturing the relationship to mean be your kid's best friend. It's not what we're saying. <laughs> um, I love that you know, and, and sometimes we make that mistake. So, uh, sometimes it's just not possible to be their friend. We, we have to show them, um, leadership, you know, Yeah. so yeah. effective parents, they, we, we don't share equal. The, the reason we can't be their best friend is because there's a power differential in the relationship. There just is, We yeah. we have some, we have more responsibility in the relationship than they do. So there's a power differential in the relationship. Um, So we got to find, you know, we have to find ways to provide leadership, um, and, and connect without trying to be accepted. That's the biggest one. If, if you're, if you're trying to get acceptance from your, you know, if that's what fills your bucket, you're probably going to be doing some things wrong.
0: Talk a little bit more about that because I, I I see that a lot today and I think I, that to me, from my perspective, and I'm not saying that it's the only perspective or it's the, the right perspective, but I think we've gone so far away from leadership in parenting because we're trying to be buddies, we're trying to be the liked one. We're trying to be the, the parent that just wants to accommodate everything and make the kids feel awesome, and, you know, everybody gets a trophy and all that kind of thing. But we're not leading them down a path that makes them functional successful, happy, genuinely better. Where where are we going wrong with this?
1: Well, I think it starts with our own, well, our own mental health, really, it just does. So I, you know, let me give you an example. I worked with a, uh, a client once, a 16-year-old young man. And, um, you know, we were asking him to do some things like, you know, take care of his hygiene take care of uh Mm -hmm. helping to prepare meals you know help out with chores around the facility go to school all stuff right and it just it, it just really resistant to all of that and as i kind of dived into it with him he said to me one day he said you know um i'll get home from school and i will be hungry and i'll go to the fridge and i'll open the fridge and I'll look at all this food, and I don't know really what what I want or what to make. And he said, "I know if I stand there and look at the food long enough, my mom will come in and make me a sandwich."
0: Mm. Interesting.
1: <laughs> so I'll sit here there all day until, because I know my mom's going to come in and make me a sandwich, right? Yeah. Um, another you know example uh you know you hear this type of argument all the time where uh child says imagine a teenage daughter saying you know i i really want this outfit i need these clothes i need whatever it is i need xyz i need this iphone whatever it is and if you know, if you don't give it to me i'm not going to school tomorrow wow and i think so many times wow. as parents we we are avoiding the conflict you know it, it just yeah, our kids can beat us down to the point where, yeah, have the phone. If it if it means I don't have to hear you screaming and yelling at me, great. Just have the phone, and we give them without even knowing we give them all the power mm-hmm. in this relationship. Um, and the flip side of that is maybe the kid says, "I need this new phone," and if you don't give it to me, I'm not going to school. And then the parent says something like, "Well, if you don't go to school, you're not going to prom." And uh, The kid goes, "Well, if you don't let me go to prom, hate you. I hate you. I'm, I'm leaving." And, and now we're in this back and forth argument. Yeah. With yeah. our, with our son or daughter who is still developing, <laughs> still has a brain that's growing. You know, why would yep. we do that dance? You know, instead of saying something like, "We can talk about how, you know, you can earn a new phone when we can have this discussion respectfully." Come back to me. Yeah. You know, that yeah. would be a that would shut it down pretty quick. Yeah. You do that a couple of times, you're probably going to get some I hate you's or, or whatever. But you know, the this type of dynamic, they there has to be a relationship in which there's mutual respect and we can provide the leadership. One thing I like to do with clients sometimes is I'll have them do uh, like a a mobile, a physical, like make a solar system that represents your family or, or do some sort of a physical thing that represents what's the hierarchy like in your family.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: And, and it's so, it's so interesting to see how many times that child is the sun (laughs) and everybody else is rotating around, you know, they recognize it. They can see it's happening. And, you know, our children, the, the honest truth is when they realize that's happening, it doesn't feel emotionally safe they no. can't depend on
0: us no well the challenge and so they're going to they look
1: for that safety bandwidth. somewhere else
0: right right they don't have the bandwidth yeah. to do that they don't have yeah. the life experience to do that i mean you i the way i look at it is you're either becoming a leader and you're challenging yourself to become a leader or you're forcing your kid to be a leader who doesn't have the the knowledge skills abilities or bandwidth to do so i mean you as a 30, 40, 50-year-old parent, you have the bandwidth to say, I'm not a great leader. And so I need to become a ba- better leader. And so I'm going to take some leadership courses. I'm going to read some leadership books. I'm going to understand coaching principles. I'm going to understand conflict resolution. And I'm going to do that because I have more life experience and it's my role and my responsibility. There is always a difference in power, in in a parent-child relationship. So as a father, I realize that. And I say, hey, I have to be a great leader. And anybody who's who's read uh, Jocko Willink's book uh, on extreme accountability, extreme ownership, uh, understands that if the team goes wrong, it ultimately is on the leader It's the, to say, hey, something's wrong, it's my fault. I have to own that, I have to be accountable. And when we're not accountable for that as the leader, then we're putting it on the child to make the decisions that, quite frankly, they are uh, not capable of making, at least not at that age. Now, as a leader, we want our kids to be making certain decisions, but for heaven's sakes, if I'm putting a decision out there to a young mind that is not capable of making that decision, or at least not not capable of making it in a wise way, then I'm not a leader. I'm just... "Quote unquote," delegating that responsibility out of laziness. So, I couldn't agree more. I I think that uh, leadership—that's that—is essential to the healthy families. And I think, Scott, that leads to our next one of clear expectations and making sure that these clear expectations are uh, fostered through con- consistency. Can you talk about why clear expectations as a father are essential?
1: Yeah, and. I- Here's the thing, Steve. It's not, it's not the really strict parents and it's not the really lenient parents that, that end up being here mm. in my program. Okay. <laughs> it's the inconsistent
0: parents. Interesting. Okay.
1: You know what I mean? And yeah, we all do that. Yeah. We all do that.
0: Right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. yeah.
1: um, you know, I have grandkids, I have three grandkids. Right. And, and one day they're, I don't know, they're jumping on the couch and they're having fun. And in my brain, I'm like, this is the best thing ever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, I, my grandkids are having fun. They love being at well, grandma and grandpa's house. They're jumping on the couch. they are all fun. And then maybe the next time they come over, I'm watching the TV and they start jumping on the couch. And I'm like, hey, don't jump on the couch. You know better than that.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes a yeah. crazy kid. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know, <laughs> they know, which, don't know what to expect to from do. us.
1: Right. Right. Right and And it's just so easy to do. So you know, clear expectations is is about uh, getting in touch with what our expectations are, first of all, and then being able to, you know, communicate that with our kids. Um, and I think so much of the time, at least me as a father, you know, one of the traps I would get into is um, I would assume they know my expectations, yeah, I would yeah. assume they know.
0: very common in leadership,
1: right. And, you know, expectations are just preconceived resentments, right? That's <laughs> when crazy. our expectation isn't, yeah. isn't met, then that turns into a resentment later on. Yeah. So, yep. Um, you know, the, I, I let my son use the car and he can use the car. And in my mind, I'm expecting him to put gas in the car once in a while. So every mm-hmm. time I go out and there's, it's on empty, I build a resentment. Well, have I clearly stated here's the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. If I if I haven't, then that's on me, right? So the first thing is getting in touch with what are our expectations, being real clear with ourselves and then being able to communicate that with our with our kids. Um, I love that
0: line. Say that again. Expect expectations are if we don't communicate our expectations, it's a it's a recipe for resentment. Yeah,
1: e- so say? expectations are uh-huh. preconceived resentments.
0: Preconceived resentments. I really like that. I felt that recently. And um, I think I may have even talked to you about this. Uh, I talked to several uh, people about it because what I was noticing is as is my kids are getting older. And, you know, I've got two in college, one in high school. And I, I, I started to look around. And I'm like, okay, why are we paying for a lot of different things that, I mean when I was 21 years old my wife and I were married we were out of the house and all of our financial responsibility was on us and so I started asking this question of like why am I why am I paying for all of these things um we didn't we didn't have this and so I started to feel a sense of resentment and then I hit the pause button mm-hmm. and said wait a minute there's no this is not their fault like this is something that we have facilitated because we don't have clear expectations on what does this transition of life look like? You know, when you are ready to launch, here's what the launching pad looks like. And so over the course of about three or four weeks, uh, I had conversations with friends, family, and uh, my wife and I just laid out our expectations of from high school on, what does your maturing and growth path look like uh, relative to your financial independence? And we mapped it all out. And we said, okay, at this age, it's this, at this age, it's that and we set up uh meetings with each one of the kids individually and we went over what the expectations were and then we gave them uh we typed it up like i typically do type it up in an apple note i shared the apple note with all of them and said here you go just so that it's clear you understand what our expectations are and if they change we'll let you know but uh this is what we're going to stick to and they were great respectful conversations and uh I'm curious to see as we move forward how that fosters in the relationship. But I felt resentment initially. And it wasn't my kid's fault. It was the fact that I just had some expectations that I had not clearly identified, clarified, and then communicated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you think about that from a father's perspective, too. Are your expectations different than your spouse or your co parent? So you got to get clear, right? You know, on those first. Yeah. And you both yeah. came from different family systems with different expectations. Right. So, you you know, what you think is normal, the other person might not think is normal. And I think that's where we just get sideways so much is we just assume that people know our expectations. The other thing, Steve, about expectations is um, and our kids don't like this very much. Your, your kids probably talk about this. My kids talk about this, but uh, they're different for each kid.
0: Yeah, if you have more than one
1: child, you're probably going to have more than one set of expectations because each person is different. Right. And and our job as parents is to try and navigate those waters. Um, If you know, if I if I have a son or daughter who is is dealing with some neurodivergent issues, and they're you know, I can't. My my expectations are going to be different, and how I handle that's going to be different. But the principle is the same. If I'm not clear. And if they're not clearly expressed, we're going to run into problems.
0: Yeah. I love how you bring that up because each child is different. But if the principle is the same, then we are, um, you know, we're going to hopefully create a and foster a relationship and then a culture of fairness and equity, right? Yes. Um, but yep. I, I want to get your perspective on this. So a conversation that I've had with my oldest is, hey, you grew up. When mom and dad were poor and not that we're uber wealthy now but you know the difference between when uh beth was a child and we were struggling starving students uh you know driving whatever cars we could make work to when my son grew up uh, i mean there was a drastic difference you know johnny grew up riding in the passenger seat of, of the first porsche that i ever bought And, and so all he's ever known is just this different lifestyle than what Beth had. And I, I said, so obviously life is a little bit different for your sister and your brother than it was for you, just by the very nature of you being the young or the oldest. And our path in life was different. We were, we were newer parents. We were, we had less financial ways and means. And so it's going to be different there. So I always want to open the door for a conversation that if you feel like things aren't fair, as you continue to move forward, Let's talk about that. For, for a father that is making some sort of life transition, maybe, they, uh, maybe there's a divorce and so the father's not around as much, and, or maybe, uh, like us, there's just a divergence between the children and the socioeconomic status, how do parents make sure that these clear expectations and that consistency are there despite change?
1: Well, I think in your story, you you laid it all out. It's about communicating. You have to just communicate it. Um, and I think you have to be honest with yourself about it too. i I think that I'm thinking about you know, a father who's gone through a divorce and and now think about um, you know everything that they may be going through am uh, and my kids do, do I get to see my kids? What are my kids gonna think of me? May you know, I don't know. There's so many things. The principle of expectations have to be clear. I think being willing to be honest with yourself, and that probably takes somebody outside of yourself to help, you know. That mm, yeah. again, getting into therapy, getting a coach, getting somebody else, yep, you, can, you, yeah. can, you know, have some honest feedback from. Um but but taking the time to communicate it is super important. I can't say that enough. The other thing is just realizing that um, change is hard on everybody. And that's okay. This yeah. takes time. You know, yeah. the, the, we'll get to that principle. This takes time and effort. And so it's not going to go well at first, probably. Um, and our kids, we want them to test our boundaries. The reason we have to have real clear expectations is because it's really healthy for them to test. Yeah. It's right. healthy for them to to test and then and then see that the fence works so I feel safe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and and so many many times I think that especially a father or a mother or somebody who's in a setting where now I don't have as much influence on my kids, it would be really easy to let those go. You know, to to kind of widen the fences because I'm trying to make up for the time I'm not there, different things. But there couldn't be anything further from the truth of what that, what your child needs. They, they need to feel safe and yep. it needs to be predictable. So having clear expectations and sticking to them is really important.
0: It's a hallmark of leadership. I, yep. that, that leads as we, we kind of turn the corner here and we go from three to four on our list of seven uh, to choice and accountability. And the choice and accountability invite growth. So, kids make choices and they also need to be accountable for them. Now, my definition of accountability has always been that it's you're able to account. You just take that word, split it up, and say, okay, accountability mm. doesn't mean that you get in trouble, it just means you're able to account. And so oftentimes when something happens and I need to have a conversation with one of my kids, I'll say, okay, let's sit down. Walk me through what happened. Okay, now that that happened and you have walked me through it, walk me through your thought process. Account for what happened and how we got there. Why is choice and accountability so powerful for fathers in a leadership role? Cool,
1: because it it teaches us how to how to live right it teaches us how to exist in this world when we understand that um nothing is free right our our say that again for the people in the back nothing Nothing is free free, right (laughs) um it's just such a key principle right and and so what i see you know here's what i see people teaching their kids i'm gonna go through a list without knowing it here's Here's what I see people teaching their kids. Um, if, you, if we don't get this choice and accountability piece down, here's what we end up teaching. We teach that if I make poor choices, things will still be okay.
0: Mm. Powerful.
1: We we teach them, if I don't do the work, someone else will.
0: Yeah. If I don't clean up, and, somebody's going to clean up after me.
1: Yes. Yeah. Think about the kid, you know, with, standing in front of the refrigerator. I yeah. don't want to do the work. Well, someone else will.
0: Yeah. Yep. um
1: we teach them chances are if i don't do what i need to do i'll probably get away with it mm. that's what we teach and and we teach this is my favorite is boundaries we teach boundaries can be broken yeah if we want if we want love and acceptance and i and i want to talk about that one i'll start with that one because i think it's so important um so you think choice and accountability um, so say you have clear expectations. The expectation is you're home by curfew, for example. The expectation is you don't use drugs. Your child breaks that. Yeah. So now okay. there's a consequence. Um, but the consequence usually isn't convenient for anybody. We don't schedule those. So maybe the consequence is I'm grounded. I can't hang out with my friends outside of the home. My my friends have to come here if I want to hang out with them because my behavior hasn't been responsible. That's the consequence. But, you know, Billy's having a party tonight and all my friends are going to be there. And so, you know, mom, dad, can I go to this party? And dad says, well, no, you have a consequence. And the child says, but but all my friends are going to be there. It's really important to me. And dad starts to feel a little guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want my daughter to be, in, you know, important and be loved and accepted by our friends. Well, what will they think if she's not there? And then the kicker is, we've all maybe heard this. If you don't, I hate you. Uh, if you don't let me go, I'm never speaking to you again. <laughs> go and slam the door, right? Yeah, yeah. But so now our acceptance, you know, our level of acceptance... If we, I call it catch and release, here's the com- consequence, oh, I'm going to release the consequence. If we release that, right, we teach the message that boundaries are important unless, you know, unless love and belonging is on the table. If I don't go to this, if you have this consequence, then I'm not going to be able to feel love and belonging. Okay, we'll let it go this time, all right?
0: So that that it really sense plays so into, Yeah, it really plays into like an insecurity that a father can yes. have, right? I mean, if a father just has this need for acceptance, then they're going to break that. And yes. and it's not that it doesn't hurt when a kid says, I hate of you. Course. I mean, yeah. my, I, my kids have said things to me where I just, I look at them and I say, you know, that really, that makes me feel bad. That, that hurts my feelings. And it also tears me up inside that we're having to have this type of conversation as you know, my goal is to not make you hate me. As as you know, my goal is to not create this type of conflict. So it hurts when we're in this situation. It's not where I want to be, but it's where we are. And part of my job as a father is to teach you to deal with where you are, not where we want to be. And that is something that I think that it, it takes a significant degree of self-awareness and emotional intelligence uh, at a very high level for a, a father to look and say, hey, I'm not going to give in here, even though it's painful, right? I mean, leadership isn't about and, ease,
1: right. it's not about And I'm going to be emotionally vulnerable. I can be vulnerable.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so,
1: okay. so on the one hand, you maybe if you give in and you say, okay, just this once, it'll be fine. You, you teach a couple lessons right you teach the 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 most insidious one is uh, that you can be manipulated right <laughs> but you also right. teach that love and belonging uh, it's okay to give up boundaries when love and belonging is on the table and I want you to think about play that forward to an extreme example so now your daughter or your son is, is at a party and someone's offering them to do something that they don't really want to do it's against their values yep but they say everybody's doing it you you know don't be a don't be a nerd. We're going to everybody's doing it. And you've right. already taught them that when that's on the line, I can break my values.
0: Yeah, I that's can. A, that's a horrible. I can have sex. Right, right. Yep.
1: So on the flip side, if you're able to say that really hurts when you say that, nevertheless, that's one of my favorite words. Nevertheless, mm. we're going to stick with what we've discussed. We're going to stick with the, the boundary. Um, And I love you. And I know you don't really mean that. That That's a level of emotional vulnerability that we also want to teach our kids.
0: Yeah. That's yeah.
1: really important to model.
0: Well, it's a modeling that teaches that that we're not just going to drive life based on every emotion that pops up. Yep. You know, it, it, yep. it sucks to be in that moment. It feels bad. It feels hurtful. It feels um, uh, sometimes even just like a vacuum. Of connection, but yet what we when we stick to our guns of hey this this is what the consequence is even though it does tear me up inside we're going to stick to what the value is. To me, that is the most powerful thing that you can do as a father is Mm
1: -hmm.
0: be open to be vulnerable to be aware to communicate what's happening what's alive inside of you and stick to the principle because now the kid doesn't say well. Uh, I got pressured, and so, sure, I'm going to have sex with this uh, this guy because he pressured me. Or, sure, I'm going to do these drugs. I'm going to just try it one time. It goes against my values, but I'm just going to do it one time. And I think parents don't understand that if that example is set in those moments and they're not having choice and accountability as a consistent uh, theme, that they are telling their kids, hey, it, it's okay unless someone plays on your weakness, and yeah. the the, yeah. the strength of standing up and being accountable when your weakness is bare and open to the world. That's probably one of the best things you could do as a father.
1: Absolutely.
0: It yeah. hurts like hell, yeah. but it's important.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. So choice and accountability. That's an invitation for growth. I love how you talk about that. It's an, an invite for growth. Number five.
1: Can I, can I say one more thing about it? Oh, please. Move on, just yeah, really quick. please. It's just, you know, the other trap that I think is the, um, kind of the prevent and rescue type of thing we do where where we see uh we see things coming, so we try to prevent it as parents we we see that yeah. you're gonna flunk that math test or you know whatever it is we see it coming and and then we rescue and and then we do stuff for them, you know yeah. um yeah and and that to me is just. It's so prevalent in today's world, and mm-hmm. and with when with parents today, um, we don't want to see our kids fail, and so we think good we we have good intentions that if we step in and do the rescuing and and we'll teach them a lesson of how to do it different next time. But a lot of times, all we teach is, you know, I, either I'm not capable of doing it by myself, or I don't have to do it by myself. Someone's always going to step in. And it's, and it's pretty insidious. I, I think that one of the things we want to instill in our, our kids is this feeling of hope, Mm, you know, that, that that I, you know, hope for the future, hope for kids are killing themselves, right? They they, they have no hope. We want our kids to feel hope and, you know, hope is, hope's not a feeling. Hope is, is, is really a thought process. Mm. You know, it's a cognitive process, and it comes when we have. You're going to love this because this is what you preach. <laughs> but I think hope comes when we have goals.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And
1: we have we have a way to get there, and we have the agency to get there. Mm. That, that that gives us hope.
0: Love that. Love that. Yeah. So so when
1: there. you when you rescue, think about what you take away. You you know you take away. Their ability that, that that pathway to get to my goals because yeah. somebody else did it for me. And, and hope is also a function of tenacity and perseverance. That's that has to be there for us to feel hope and that I can do things. Um, and so when when we take those away, when we rescue our kids from struggle, we rob them of hope.
0: I love that. And so this this next story. Really feeds into this principle of choice and accountability, but also parental unity. Because, um, so one of the things that that we've talked to the kids about is they've gotten older. I don't need to teach them how to clean a toilet anymore. They know how to do that. They know how to do some of those basic skills. So what I've told them is, you've got chores around the house, but now you're going to have chores in the business. And what I'm my focus is as you get you get older is to teach you life skills that cross over into financial management and business skills and whatnot. And so one day my son and I were talking and he was so frustrated about one of the projects that I had him doing. And he'd gone to his mom and lamented to her. And she goes, well, I don't know. This seems like it's above him and it's, you know, too hard for him and yada, yada. And I said, listen, I get where he's feeling, but the reality is he just hasn't done the work yet. And just let me stick the choice and accountability piece here so that he finishes the project. And we, we just, and we weren't, we weren't on the same page at first. And we talked and we got on the same page and she says, okay, do it. But I want him to learn and grow from, obviously we're on the same page with that. So I sat him down. I said, here's what you did. Here's what we agreed to you doing. Why did you skip all these other steps? Well, I don't know. I just got frustrated when I hit the one that was tough. Okay, well do the rest of the steps. And so I walked him through and the eyes just go really big and then he leaves and he goes to his room and he starts following through the whole process. And he produced something that was absolutely amazing. I showed it to my wife afterwards, two weeks later, he's pumping out more of that same thing in probably one fifth of the time. And I asked him, okay, tell me what you're, what you learned from this. And beaming with confidence, he just, he has the skills to, follow through and finish these projects. And I looked at my wife afterwards and I said, Danielle, what do you think? She goes, these are invaluable skills. Like in in six months, these kids are going to be able to go off and do their own marketing type business because of some of the things that we're teaching them in the business. And these are skills that kids our age just don't have. So choice and accountability creates that tenacity but it is critical that parents find a way to get unity because that stability and strength is critical for the kids. How do we get on the same page? What does that look like?
1: Well, what what did you and your wife do? Uh,
0: We, we discussed the disagreement.
1: Yes. You discussed the disagreement. And you think about, you know, we've been talking a little bit about divorced parents and divorced fathers. Yeah. Um, I think about it as a teeter-totter. The further we are away from each other on this teeter-totter, the more up and down each side mm, can go, right? Good,
0: good perspective. The closer
1: we are to the fulcrum of that, the, the less we are moving on the yep. teeter-totter. You think of your child or your children being in the middle of that
0: teeter-totter. Mm, okay.
1: The further away we are, the more they get to uh, feel that upheaval. Right,
0: So they feel it. It's like waves. They can feel it. It's just waves hitting them and they're
1: just tossed back and forth. And, and, you know, we, in my line of work, we talk about this a lot, just how the kids end up in the middle of this triangle Mm. with each parent kind of using the kid against the other kid.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Son wants to get a motorcycle. Mom, it's not, it's not safe. You're not going to do it. No, I, there's a boundary. Calls up dad. Mom's so overprotective. All I want to do is have a motorcycle. Well, I hear him. You had a motorcycle when you were a kid. Dad agrees. Gets him a motorcycle. So, you know, what has the child learned?
0: Yeah, you can, you can create war yes. and get your job done. <laughs> you can be the master of manipulation by creating war between the two parties that are going to make the decision.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and failure is so, on both parents, right? I think that's yeah. the important thing. I've sure. I've heard fathers say, "Well, it's my, uh, it's my ex's fault, or it's my wife's sure. fault," right? No, you're both leaders. Like, if there's failure, it's a failure on both parts. I remember going into uh, a, a conversation one time with a business partner, and um, you know, our our business partnership and relationship was not great. Um, I didn't agree with what they were doing at the time. And I went into it and I just said, look, the, the failure is as much mine as it is anybody's because our, we, we've got friction in this relationship. And and in order for us to, we, we either get on the same page or we fail together. Like that's what it is. Yes. Um, it's yeah. not you failing and I win or I win and you fail. Like we either come together or we both fail. And that's critical in any yeah. leadership, co-leadership uh, position. You can't make excuses. You can't point the finger out at someone else because the only person that is damaged by that is the person in the middle. So I love how you talk about that. The kid sits right on the fulcrum.
1: Yeah. 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 So doing things like, you know, sharing our frustration with the child, our frustration with the other parent, with the child, that, that, that can't happen. Um, You using the child against the other parent. Mm that no, can't have you know those are things that just drive this in the wrong direction. Yeah. Now I you know I work with families where there's been um you know there's been a lot of hurt. There's been a lot of a lot of things happen and and sometimes it, it's this just not possible to do this on your own as a parent. You know you you've been hurt. There's been things done and said. It takes professional help to get you to the place but if you can start with what's most important to me you know my my family is my my kids are the most important to me so i'm going to do anything that's going to help them and that sometimes looks like having real clear boundaries with your child's other parent you know mm-hmm. where, where where i'm going to protect myself i'm going to be safe and i'm going to take care of myself first that also is modeling for your your kids appropriate behavior but when we use them, when we use our children in that battle, that's just very unhealthy. So, even if you know I can't be in the same room with my ex-spouse, we can still have written clear expectations about what it looks like. Yeah, you know, each of our homes, we can still work together um, to hold boundaries. You know, we can still talk about our differences. My, you know, my wife and I, we we don't have a lot of differences, but of course. We have disagreements, mm-hmm. um, so you just have to decide what's what's more more important. Well, so one of the things that my wife, for my wife, it was none of, none of my kids are playing football. I'm not going to play
0: football. Mm. <laughs> I don't want the head no concussions. Yeah, so it's not going to happen. Yep.
1: And and I and I think I would have been fine with my kids trying to play football, but that's that's not worth an argument, or that's not worth putting my kid in the middle.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: you know um that's not worth me saying oh, if it wasn't for your mom you know i get a, maybe maybe i think i get some uh deposits in the bank account with my kid if i say things like that mm. if i take his side against a sibling or another parent but it does not give you emotional credit it just teaches them that we can triangulate and we can be in this kind of drama triangle that's really unhealthy yeah so my my message also always to parents um, is, you, you know, you you have to figure out how to be on the same page as far as your child is concerned. You can be on different pages in every other way, but when it comes to your child, you have to work, work on getting on the same page.
0: Yeah, there's got to be some sort of agreement. And, and yeah. if there's not an agreement, then you can't go uh, parent. So, Scott, coming to, to to number six, principle six: change takes time and sustained effort. In our day and age, um, we can text; get a response fast. I can door dash, it's here in ten minutes. If I want to drive down the road to McDonald's, which takes two minutes, and I can get my food in probably the same two minutes, I can be done with that food in five or in in one minute. So, within Five minutes I can be initiating diarrhea from my McDonald's. We live in a fast society. We live in a fast-paced world, but yet we have, as technology has has moved forward, we've forgotten that true change, true evolution takes time. It takes consistency. It takes sustained effort. Why is this such an important principle for a a father to understand?
1: Well, I think two reasons. One is I think it's easy to give up, right? It's it's easy to maybe so you're gonna apply a couple of these principles. I'm gonna work really hard on it for a couple of weeks. Uh, things aren't changing. Those principles didn't work. And and so it's easy for us to to give up before we've given things a chance to work, yeah. right? That's the number one thing. It's just gonna take time. The the other thing, the the, the second reason it's really important to remember this change takes time is we are not we're playing the long game here. Yeah. You're you're going to be your kid's parents for your whole life. Right. So this Mm -hmm. isn't about this month, next month, next year. This is about what am I doing today and how does that going to affect, you know, our relationship and what impact will that have on my child five years from now? That's really important to keep that in mind because in the day to day, it feels like a jungle. It feels like sometimes it's just not working, but you know, if you if you can just do one little thing, it's a, this is just the one little thing I'm going to focus on. I talked about that in our last podcast. I'm just going to talk to my son before I talk about school. We're going to we're going to connect.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and that's, you know, that being in that place seems so foreign to me now in the relationship I have with that son. I mean, we, we just have a fantastic relationship and have had have had for years. And I think he could talk to me about anything. And I and he and he would come to me with a problem, and and he knows he knows how I feel about him, but that just started with one little step. Started with one little thing.
0: It's so amazing I, how I how things change that. when we change our timeline, right? Because you talk about yeah. the the timeline of being a parent. I'm um, I'm a big fan of of James Carra's work on uh, uh, game theory, where he talks about infinite games and and finite games. In fact, I'd recommend any of our listeners to to go study those mental models, because parenting is an infinite game, which means that there is no end to it. Uh, and so, taking into account that you are going to be a parent for the rest of your life, I, I think is is critical. So, time, sustained effort, principle number six. Go, going to principle number seven as we wrap it uh, wrap it up here. Parents are the most powerful agents of change, not just in the family, but in the world. Talk about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, so Stephen Covey, there's a quote from Stephen Covey. I, I like, He's he said that the key to your family culture is how you treat that child that tests you the most. Mm. Right. And I don't know that I've heard that.
0: I thought I read all of Cuppy's stuff. That's a great (laughs) one. (laughs) That's a great quote.
1: Yeah. Because we all probably have that kid that doesn't test us. And we just maybe are most alike in in personality. And we have that kid that who's tested us the most. And, And how our relationship, how we treat that child is a good indicator of what our culture is like. Translate that to the bigger, you know, our our communities, our our world. Um we want our kids to have wings and roots. We want them to feel love and belonging and have hope and know yeah. that they can go do whatever they want. So that, that is key to, to building a society, in my opinion, <laughs> is yeah. people that have yeah. healthy boundaries, healthy roots, but also are not afraid to be vulnerable, not afraid to try new things, not afraid to go out and um, you know, take on the world. And I just think parental leadership is, you know, the most important thing in that. We we can be the most powerful agents of change for our kids through the way we live and the way we treat them. And I think the opposite is true. We can also shut them down completely. We can we right. can send a message. Right. We would never mean to, but we can send the message that you can't do it. You should give up. The world is a horrible place. We We send those messages not even meaning to. If we're not being really intentional about what, you know, what we're doing. Um, you know, what, one thing that I would that I would say, too, is that. Um, the, the world. So if if our kids don't find leadership, if they don't find connection with us, they will find it somewhere else. Right. We just know that. Yeah, just crazy. They're going to find it in They'll find it online. Yeah, yep, that vacuum yep. will be filled.
0: Yep, absolutely. It's just
1: going to happen. Um, So we have to insert ourselves Mm -hmm. in that place, we have to be a powerful part of their lives. And, and just realize that what we're doing, again, the long game, it's going to make a difference. My, my daughter, I know we need to wrap up. Um, My oldest is uh, a girl. Um, She's, she's brilliant in in every way. She I, I look up to her. She's my hero. And all my kids are my heroes. But she did a thing a few years ago that just blew me away, and she wrote a book. She's a she's a mechanical engineer,
0: by the way. Okay, so what my oldest is studying to be as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. and she went, you know, went to the University of Utah. She she literally worked on rockets. She's done stuff on roller coasters. She's she's done all this crazy cool stuff. But in you know her biggest role that she feels the most passionate about is being a mom, and um, she left all that. And wrote a a children's book. Wow. And to me, that I mean, there's not a bigger payoff than seeing your kids take a risk like that, um, show their talents. It's incredible. And, and And all three of my kids in different ways are doing things like that. Um, but that's what we want, right? We that's that's how we change the world. We don't change the world, in my opinion. I'm not a politician, but I'm not running for office anytime soon. We change the world in our families, in our homes, one relationship at a time.
0: It's amazing what those relationships can do to start to trickle out into other areas as well. Um, you know, like you, I've got some kids who are doing some amazing things and what, what we found is that the culture of the relationship or the culture and the relationships that we have with our kids is now trickled out into the friendships that they have with their friends. Uh, we are Mm -hmm. the place that is known for having the best food and so kids will come over to the house for dinner, or they'll just stop by before they go out somewhere, uh, because they want my wife's amazing cooking. Yes. Or if I'm making steaks, or we're doing a pizza night, or whatever it is, we've got people over. And that's provided this opportunity for us to not only make an impact on our kids, but then the, the friends are over. and. I got done with a podcast recently and finished up. And I went downstairs and and here my wife's made all this beautiful food. And my son and his friends are all sitting around laughing and joking. And, um and I just looked at them and I said, guys, your opinions don't matter. I know in our day and age, you think that they do, but they don't. What matters is the contribution that you make in the world. And they just paused and they looked at me like, yeah, right on. That's awesome. And. This and and we've got and I've got a good connection with a lot of my uh, my son's friends and uh, my daughter's friends and they just like they gather. And now we're not only making an impact on the kids, but it's it's become this thing where we're making an impact on others because they come here. They know that they can get great food. So they know what that looks like. They know what it means to be healthy and that, you know. You can live a life in crescendo. You don't have to become the 50-pound overweight dad uh, with the dad bod. You can you can live in a positive way. And starting with this idea that parents, starting with your kids, you will make a change in them. By making a change in them, little by little, it trickles out into all aspects of the community and all aspects of life. So for our listeners, we want to uh, review the seven core principles for being an effective parent or an effective father. Number one, nurture the relationship. That is the priority. Number two, parental leadership is essential for healthy families. Number three, clear expectations, encourage consistency and teach values. Number four, choice and accountability, invite growth. Number five, parental unity creates stability and strength. Number six, Change takes time and sustained effort. And number seven, parents are the most powerful agents in the world. Well, Scott Jones, what great principles. Hey, I appreciate can
1: you. Can I end with on. a quote?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a Brene Brown groupie. Okay. Nice. You know who right. Brene Brown is.
0: Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, all
1: right. This is from her. We cultivate love. Think about with your families. We cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known. And when we honor the spiritual connection that grows from that offering, love is not something we give or get, it's something we nurture and grow, a connection that can only be cultivated between two people, one that exists within each of them. And we only can love others to the extent that we love ourselves. Love can only survive if if our injuries are acknowledged, healed, and
0: rare. So, Beautiful quote. I love that. What a great ending. What a great ending. You've got to love yourself to love others. You know, we talk about men becoming men. We talk about men being masculine, being tough, being strong, having tenacity. Being a gentleman means being a gentle man. That means that you have to be fierce and ferocious. You've got to be tough, but you also need to be gentle because being a gentleman means that you can stand up for what's right. You will be a leader and you will also be in touch with what the deeper parts of you are. What a great quote. Well, Scott Jones, what a, what a great uh, conversation we had. And on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up this episode of The Evolved Man. Scott, thanks again for coming on and sharing your yeah, wisdom for with me. our listeners. I mean, what a, what a great uh, chat. If people want to connect and uh, learn more about what you do, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you or, or follow your journey?
1: Yeah, they can um <laughs> email me. My email is Scott.jones at stillwateracademy.org.
0: Scott.jones uh, at website. stillwateracademy.org. And then the website is yeah.
1: website stillwateracademy.org.
0: Yeah. Great. Right. And we'll put those links I'm in the show notes. And uh, Scott is a wealth of knowledge and what, what they're doing at Stillwater Academy is pretty fascinating, very unique, very effective. And um Every time we talk about the tactics and techniques that uh, you and your team are utilizing, uh, it it just expands my mind even more. So, Scott, thank you very much. And, uh, hey, evolutionaries, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. Thanks for joining me for this episode of The Evolved Man. If you're learning from and gaining value from this podcast, please subscribe to the Evolved Man newsletter, where I can support you even more in your evolution. I want to help you reverse engineer your success. The Evolved Man newsletter is like getting a free coaching session with me every week to keep you moving forward on your path to personal success. Go to the EvolvedManPodcast.com to sign up today. If you found value in this episode, you can give us up to a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify and share it with your network. That's the best way to support the podcast so we can continue to get on great guests and provide you this amazing free content. Until next time, keep evolving.